0: Isn't it not so funny, though? I was just thinking about that, in, the, in fact, that we're in the series called The Opposite Way. And I know, all, don't your, all you moms feel like your kids see you in a completely opposite way? You know what I mean? What you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, and your kids look at you, and they just don't get it at all. And I, I remember my mom was a piano teacher. She used to give piano lessons. And so as a young boy, I had to take piano lessons. Anybody else have to take piano lessons? And I remember I used to sit on the piano bench and literally just cry. Because I did not want to practice. I just wanted to be out playing football. And I had to be on the piano bench. And my mom was so strong, man. And she just made me do stuff. And I couldn't figure it out why she wanted me to do that. And I, I think so much of parenting can feel like that. Where you know what you're trying to do. You, you have plans. You have visions. Part of the weird job for a parent is it's our job to create character in within our kids and discipline them up so they can be everything that they want to be, and they just look at us, and they don't get it at all. Um, And you know what? That's what we're going to kind of look at today, in all honesty, is sometimes I feel like we can feel the same way about God. Is sometimes God, who's our heavenly Father, feels like the same type of deal, where we look at Him, and we're not sure what He's up to and what He's doing, and lots of times His ways can feel like the opposite way. Now, uh, our teaching, what we've been wanting to do right after Easter, is hop into the Beatitudes. Uh, So it's Jesus' kind of famous sermon on the mount. And one of the things we talked about last week was just the fact that when Jesus showed up on the scene, he literally turned everything upside down. And the way that we expected him to be, he just wasn't. And so uh, last week, we looked at the fact that he says, man, blessed, full of God's favor, having fullness of life are the people who are actually poor in spirit. The people who, who, when you get inside your heart, you finally just go, you, you feel desperate inside your heart. You see, as soon as you get desperate inside your heart, it's finally open for the first time to God. And so he says, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. All that, we, all that God wants to do, and all that he wants to bless us with, can only actually come to those who have a spirit that that's kind of gets empty and gets poor. Well, man, as a human being... That, that, just, that just grates against us. Because we, we, from the day we're born, man, we want to rise up and we want to be everything that we can be and we want to, you know, control our own life and we want to control our destiny and we, we believe that we can do it. And so Jesus comes on the scene he says, I, I just got to tell you, the real life actually comes to those who are empty and poor in spirit. So that's what we looked at last week. And, and this week, we're actually going to take a break um, from the Beatitudes. And we're going to pop back in those in a little bit. But, uh, What I want to look at today is a pattern that I see in the Bible. And the pattern is this. There's no pattern. There's no pattern. It's crazy. When you open up the Bible and you see how God works, it's just crazy. And what you'll see is people, the Bible is just full of stories of God interacting with people, and people are always looking back at God and saying, wait a second, this isn't how you do things, this isn't how it should work. How many of you have ever felt like you want to look at God and say, what in the world are you doing? Anybody want to know every day? Okay, if you're human and you've engaged with God, you have that question. Because he just does things. In fact, and I'm so glad because he just thought, I, let me just tell you guys straight out. My ways are not your ways. And so if you're looking for a pattern that you can follow, then the, and then you can call that God. This is how he works. God just comes in inside and says, uh, I'm just going to tell you you're never going to be able to figure that piece out. What you'll see in the Bible is that God is always at work. And what's amazing to me is that everything he does, he always does in conjunction with people. That's what the Bible is. It's a story. The Bible is a story. God unfolding his story, history. He's just unfolding history And you'll see that he's always up to something. He's always on mission. He's always working. And yet he always does it in conjunction with people. He asks them to join him. This is when it gets exciting, you guys. This is why we call K2, the church, an adventure with God. Because that's actually what he calls us to. He says, listen, you guys are trying to figure this whole thing out. And you're trying to develop patterns. And here's how it works. And then you do this. And then you do this. And then you do this. And he goes, I'm just going to blow all that out of the water. And I'm going to actually ask you to follow me. And that grates against our human nature. It feels like an opposite way. I was just, I was just thinking, let me just bust through some of the examples. And, and here, so here's Abraham, and God shows up to Abraham, and he says, Hey, Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to Salt Lake City. No, that's not what he said. He said, um, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. See, so even with Abraham, he's like, hey, so here's how this is going to work. I've got a place that I'm going to show you, follow me. And Abraham pops in and he gets off and he starts going. And then God says, and I'll make you into a great nation. And then what happens after God says, hey, here's my plan, here's here's what I'm going to do. What happens to Abraham? He has to go through years and years and years of waiting and wandering and following God until he finally gets the baby boy Isaac born to him. You've got Joseph. In fact, I was, we were just talking through this with my kids, and I've had this Joseph story pop up in the, uh, quite a few times just in the last few weeks. And here's Joseph, and every time he does what is right, everything falls apart. Anybody relate to that one? Now that's when you really question God. And finally, at the end of the story, he looks back and he says, you guys intended this for harm, but God intended it for good. See, it's crazy. If there was a pattern, if I follow God, then good things happen. I mean, how many of you think that's true? If I follow God, then always my life's going to just be great. Well, see, that's not a pattern in the Bible. It's just not in there. And then you've got Moses. God comes to Moses, and he says, I've come to rescue my people. You're the one that I'm going to do it through. And Moses looks back, and he goes, me? I can't even talk. I'm not the right guy to do this. He he tries to come up with all these excuses and he says, no, I'm gonna rescue him and you're you're gonna be my man. And then there's plagues and the parting of the water and tons of people who wanted to go back and they wander for 40 years. And you can just imagine Moses going, what in the world? And then you've got Gideon. God shows up to Gideon and he says, listen, I have heard the cries of my people and I'm gonna save my people from Midian. So go in the strength that you have and save Israel. And Gideon looks back at him and he goes, the strength I have... He goes, my clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my clan. What are you doing? And then Gideon, it's a great story. I'm going through these really quick. But then eventually Gideon, you know, God shows up and he goes, all right, I'm in. And then God looks at him and he says, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands. In order that Israel may not boast that her own strength has saved her, God takes 32,000 warriors down to 300. Now, how many of you would plan that? See, I mean, this is crazy stuff. All the time, when God calls people to join him, he says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me, and I want you to trust me. And then, the whole human way of seeing things done falls apart. So you guys, God is writing a story. That's what he's doing. And it's like a symphony. And I heard a guy share this years ago that was so cool to me. He said, every, every moment in our life, is like a note that's in a symphony. And in these moments, that part of our problem is when we read the Bible, is we can hurry up and we, get, get, we can get to the end of the story, right? And we look back and we go, oh, now I know why he did that with Abraham. And now I know why he did that with Moses. Now I know what he was doing with Joseph. See, we, we get the bigger picture, but got to, we've got to stop and remember, when those guys were going through the stories, in that moment... How do you think they felt? How do you think they felt? I bet it was freaking them out. I bet they were going, can I trust this God? What is he up to? Why is he doing this? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. See, and the reality is, you guys, there is a plot. God is writing a story. But here's one of the most important things to remember as a human being. We are not the center of the plot. We're in the story. But for most of us, we think that my life is what it's all about. (laughs) Now, I know none of us us would say that. But really, when stuff happens, part of the reason why we freak out is because all we really are thinking about is us in that moment. And there's no question that Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Gideon in those moments were freaking out. In fact, in all honesty, I think that's partly why we have the Psalms. I don't know if you guys have ever read the Psalms. But David, so here's another story. God comes up to David and says, hey, David, you're going to be the king of Israel. And he gets anointed to be the king. And then what happens? He spends years running and fleeing and hiding in caves from a guy who wants to kill him. I mean, again, you go, wait, 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 wait. God, you said I was going to be king of Israel. And so we have these psalms and the psalms are full of David's cries going, God, how long? What's up? What are you doing? And and, and if, man, if you're ever in those boats, you guys grab the psalms and read them. And you'll see what it's like for a guy who totally, in fact, he's, he's called the one who was after God's own heart, who believed in him and who trusted him, but who struggled with God because his ways are not our ways. There is no pattern to how God gets things done. So, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And what's cool is the pattern continues. So here's, here's God born in the flesh. And where's he born? born. He's born in some stable somewhere with no fanfare, going to some peasants and to, to, to shepherds out in the field. And, he, and, and over and over we see with Jesus, this isn't how you do things. And so if you just look at it, so you got the disciples, and, and especially just Peter here real quick. Peter gets this call. He's out fishing in a boat. And again, Jesus looks at him and he says, Hey, Peter, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, in all honesty, this was pretty normal. Because back in that day and age, if you were a rabbi, that's what you did. If you were a rabbi, you called guys to follow you. And young men would leave everything and they would follow him. So Peter's like, dude, this is awesome. My, my friends, Joe and, and Bob and all those other guys, they're, they're following those rabbis. And now I got chosen. So he leaves everything and he follows this rabbi. Now, after that, the whole normal thing stopped. And Peter went on a journey Where he just saw things that he was never, it just didn't make any sense. Right off the bat, Jesus' teaching was completely different. In Mark chapter 1, right off the bat, he teaches and people are wowed. He starts to deliver people from demonic oppression. He starts healing people. And here's what's crazy, is he actually heals Peter's mother-in-law. He comes into Peter's house. And he heals his mother-in-law. And everybody else hears about this. And that night, tons of people are bringing all oh, their sick and those who need help. And Jesus is healing them. Now, think about this. This is Peter's hometown. He's like sitting there going, this is awesome. I mean, man, I followed a rabbi who like does stuff that no other rabbi does. This is incredible. And then in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and 38, we find this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So he had just healed Peter's mother in law and now he's healed all these other people. So early in the morning he goes off to pray. Simon, who actually is Peter, he got his name changed by Jesus. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. See, in this moment Peter's thinking, Oh my gosh, this is amazing! Everybody in the town is all excited about my rabbi. So literally, I think what Peter's doing here, he's going, dude, we need to plan a church. Right here, right now. Because everybody's so excited, and let's just get this going right now. Jesus, this is awesome. So hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And I've always loved Jesus' response in verse 38. Jesus replied, okay, let's go somewhere else. I mean, think about this for a second. Now, again, this is where we we just read the story and go, oh, this is interesting. We just go on. No, here's Peter in his hometown, and God is doing something amazing. Peter's all of a sudden, his reputation just skyrocketed. Everybody's like, dude, Peter, that's your guy. That's awesome. So Peter, you can see, come on, everybody, come. This is all, Peter, Jesus, come on, everybody's looking for you. We're going to be able to establish something awesome right here. And Jesus goes, all right, let's go. I'm done here. Let's move on. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. See, from the very beginning, that's chapter one in Mark. And over and over and over again, Peter saw Jesus do things in the opposite way than what everybody else did stuff. Five thousand people are listening to Jesus, and it's getting late. Right, it's time to eat, and so everybody's like, "Dude, you get we gotta we gotta send these people away, so they can go get some food because they're really hungry." And Jesus looks back at them and he goes, uh, "No, no, no, no. McDonald's isn't open, and so uh, you guys feed them. You guys feed them. We, we 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 don't have anything. Well, what do you got? You know, a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. Cool. Give it to me." Next thing you know, Jesus, that's one of the most amazing miracles ever, where the whole crowd is fed by Jesus doing something in the completely opposite way. Later, he's going through, and and if you don't understand the culture, you had your Jews and you had your Samaritans. There was Samaria, and literally the Jewish people always walked around Samaria. You didn't even get near those people. And so what's Jesus say? Dude, we got to go through Samaria. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have to go through Samaria? What, What are you talking about? That's Jesus is going in the opposite way. And then what's awesome is when he's Samaritan, when, when he's in Samaria, he hangs out with a Samaritan woman who's a sinner. Three strikes right there. Men didn't hang out with women. What are you doing hanging out with a woman? What are you doing hanging out with a Samaritan? What are you doing hanging out with a sinner? And Jesus constantly did things in the opposite way. And then he was always putting everybody else above himself, this rich young guy, you know, everybody thought too in the Jewish faith. It's like, man, if you were rich, that means God blesses you. He has favor on you. And a rich young guy says, man, Jesus, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, man, you got to do this and this and this. And you got, the rich guy's like, dude, that's awesome because I do that. I'm incredible. And Jesus looks at him and goes, oh, well, if you want to be perfect, then go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And the guy's like, actually, he doesn't say anything. He turns around in sadness and he walks away and Jesus lets him go. He just says, go. And all the, all the disciples go, whoa, 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 that's a rich guy. This guy blessed by God, and you just sent him away. See, this is the opposite way. And then at the end, right, he willfully dies, and then he rises again from the dead. And for Peter, do you remember the story? Peter's the one who sat there, who said eventually to Jesus, man, even if everybody comes against you, I'll stand there and I'll fight for you. I'll be the one, God, I'll let ne- Jesus, I'll never let anything happen to you. And then what happens? Three times, he won't even, he, won't, he totally denies Christ. Three times, he totally falls short. And he weeps because he realizes, I can't do this. And after Jesus rises from the dead, he comes back. And who does he show up to? Peter. And what's he do? Totally forgives him. Totally restores him. His love isn't conditional. And it blows Peter away. It's the opposite way. See, and then what's amazing, you guys, is Jesus chooses to change the world through 11 now scared, weak, unschooled, ordinary men. See, that's what's wild. Jesus did everything in the opposite direction way. All he says from Genesis to Revelation through the Bible, and this is what, can I just tell you, this is what he's going to say to you today. This is what he's going to say to you today. It's because it's what he says to me every day. Anybody have an idea? What does he say? Anybody? What's that? I love you. That's good. Yeah, he says that. And then he says, follow me follow me. Told Abraham, follow me. Told Moses, trust me, go with me. David, Gideon, Joseph, the apostles, David, Susie, Nelson, all of you, all Jesus says is follow me. Now here's a verse that I love and I think many of us might freak out about, but this is a great verse. In John chapter three, verse eight, Jesus says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so is it with everyone born of the Spirit. So you guys, this is the experience for me that just totally blows me away. What God has been doing from the beginning of time with human beings is he's been a wind that you can hear it, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. See, once you receive Christ, what he's saying to all of you is my ways are not your ways. And I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to ask you to follow me. And oh my gosh, if you would follow me, you are going to see me do things that you have never even dreamed of with your life. See, this is why we call K2, the church, an adventure with God. And this is why when I initially gave my life to Christ and I started working in churches, I was like, oh my gosh. Almost everybody sitting in church isn't experiencing this wind blowing. It's not adventurous. In fact, it's actually kind of boring. I mean, how many of you have had church be boring? Anybody? Okay, now everybody raise your hand. Okay. Church can be really Boring, but I'm telling you, man, God is always doing something, He's always on mission, and His biggest concern for us is that we simply follow Him and trust Him because He's the destination. And what I realize, you guys, is religion is man's attempt to tame this wild, creative, powerful God because when you really run into God, He will freak you out. But see, religion goes, whoa, 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 whoa. we don't like that wind stuff. You know, we don't like not knowing where we're going, so let's just put everything in. Okay, on Sundays we do this, and then we do this, and we wear this, and we don't do that, and we put this. And next thing you know, we have all these religious rules and all these traditions that we follow, and next thing you know, you go to Sunday morning, and you're like, ah, oh, here we go again, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, boy, that was great. Can we just get out of here? And the whole rest of the world's looking at the church and saying, I'm not going to that. Why would I waste my time when I live in Utah, and It's beautiful. And I've said that many times here. Seriously, if this, is just, if this is just a bunch of that, then yeah, then let's close our doors and let's get out of here. But if God is alive, if he has a will, if he has a plan, if he has a purpose, and his whole way of unfolding that purpose is to look at normal, unschooled people like you and me and say, I choose you. I choose you. Come with me. Join with me. Man, I'm telling you, then it gets exciting. And so just, I've told my story here so many times, but just just a few pieces of them for me is one of them, my first one, was break up with that girl who you've been, who you love with all your heart for four and a half years. End that relationship, leave all your friends, leave your family, leave all the success you've got going at the school that you're in, and go down to Hodunk Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. And I did it. I did it. And And I've shared this so many times. I sat in that little dorm room my parents left, and I just started weeping, and I went, what did I just do? And then I just felt like God said, you did it. And I just—I I was like, oh my gosh, I just literally gave you my life. I literally gave you my, as a 19-year-old kid, that's, I had nothing else to give, and I lost everything! I lost everything! Praise God! I lost everything! Have you ever, in your life, all you Christians in here, have you ever lost everything? If you haven't, you have yet to know the full adventure that God has. Oh my gosh, He will show up and it'll blow you away. And then I felt like God said, "Okay, Nelson, now I want you to go to Colombia in the depths of a jungle and do a communi- communist-infested place." And I, man, I battled him hard on that one. There's no way I'm doing that, God. Long story short, I finally go, "Okay, I'll go." And I knew the next day I would go. And you know what's cool? I tried to go on mission trip after mission trip after mission trip, and every time I couldn't go. See, this is this where God does it the opposite way. He didn't want me to go to Columbia, He just wanted to know if He had me. Does He have you? Would you go anywhere and do anything? Man, I, I leave Kensington, the church back in Detroit, after being there seven years. Church is exploding. I'm in positions of high leadership and influence, and I'm surrounded by friends, and I'm with my family. And one more time, God says, okay, leave, Nelson. Leave it all. Leave it all. Leave everything you've got and head out to California. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. I head out to California, and then I realize I had nothing to do with school at all. And he digs this hole, and he throws me in, and he covers me over with dirt. Anybody ever feel like that? See, how many of you question God when you feel like that? You know? And I mean, I'm just like, what is up? And he strips me of everything. I don't want you to teach. I don't want you to lead. I don't want you to sing. I'm going to have you two friends. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, like, this is, this is hell. It was, it was, I just, I lost everything. And in the midst of it, I laid up prostrate on the floor and said, God, I don't even know if I can do this anymore. I'm done. Found my wife and I was in California. Found the vision for this church when I was in California. See, God does things in opposite ways. And then, man, I go back to Detroit and it's awesome, and he actually asked me to plant a church in Utah. Can I, how many of you actually grew up here? How many of you grew up in Utah? Okay, did you guys know that nobody thinks about you? Did you, you guys all aware of that? That all of us who live around the rest of the world have never even thought of Utah, Ever. Now, how many of you are transplants? Would you agree with me? Say, yeah. yeah, all right, exactly. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. We end up in this place, and then we get here, and I love it. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm like, all right, lad, now let's not tell you. No, I mean, this is a beautiful, wonderful place, and I love it. And then God says, here's another opposite way, Dave. When you go to plant your church, I don't want you to ask anybody to join you. And when I talk to other church planters, that's just not the way you do it. You're supposed to build a team. But for me, God made it very clear, don't ask anybody to join you. You cast the vision, and I'll do the asking. And next thing you know, 30 people, the most ragtag, mixed-up group I've ever seen, (laughs) every age, all over the place, all over the map, didn't get asked by me, but they got asked by God. So they sold their homes, and they quit their jobs, and they moved out here to start a church. I'm telling you, God is looking for people who will just say, will you quit trying to figure out the pattern? Will you quit trying to figure me out? Will you quit putting me in a box? Will you quit saying, okay, well, God does this, and then you do this, and then God, got got my plan down? How many, we all have plans, and we set them down and stamp that one, would you God? Prove that plan, you know? When God just wants to blow that out. So you guys, here's a reality for me. And it's a reality from Genesis to Revelation. If I'm following this God that I see in the Bible and who's still alive today, it should be like the wind. His ways should not be our ways. And we should expect that God has plans that are different than ours. And we should expect that He will call us, whew, God, I love following God. I want nothing more than for you to know Him. I want nothing more. If you got trapped into religion, I'm so sorry. because he's so alive. And as a leader of this church, I'm just telling you, we're going to be a church that follows a really crazy, wild, wacky God. And if you want something different, you can go find that. So let me explain to you what's going on, because God's asking us to move again. And back in the fall, um, our big picture vision for this church became really clear again. I just felt like I was starting to soar again in my heart. Remembering, here's our mission, here's our vision statement, that we want to be a church with reckless faith in Jesus Christ. No hands, but right now, you guys, inside your heart, would you say that your faith in Christ is reckless? I mean, seriously, you know, I use the illustration all the time. Are your hands up? And are you just going on the ride of your life? Or are you doing this one? You know? Where are you... Yeah, but, you know, which is where most of us lie. Or are you you in control? Got it under control? Got your plan? See, we want to be a church with reckless faith in Jesus Christ. It's fleshed out with sacrificial love. I figure out what it really means to love. We want to care for those who are in need. And we want to draw people into an ever-deepening relationship with God. That's just what we want to be. And the way we want to do that is we have this mission statement that we want to plant multiplying churches along the western Rockies. And I I, I, I probably need to change that. The Wasatch Front and beyond. All the way into the world that engage those who are being sought by God. See, God is on the move and he's always working, and there are always people that he loves so much, and he wants them to know that. And so we just know that K2 exists to be a place that's going to plant multiplying churches all around the Wasatch Front and the whole world that are engaging those people that God's seeking after. That's what we want to do. So man, back in the fall, it just became clear, and we're like, okay, that's what we're going to do. I mean, when I'm done, and they put me in my box, and they lay me in the grave... I, I'm just telling you, the only way I'm going to feel like I can stand before Jesus and he can look at me and say, way to go, you did it, is if we do that. That's my life. I know it's what he's called me to. I know it's what he's called this place into existence for. And we got so excited about that. So then we start thinking, well, how are we going to accomplish that? Are we accomplishing it? And how are we going to accomplish that? And so then the next thing you know, it's like somebody challenged us. Okay, you got to think outside your box because we all have one. I want to encourage you, to, as I share this K2 vision, about your own box. What, what do you got down? And, and, and so in this whole strategic planning process, we had to say, no sacred cows, no ways that we do things, everything's off limits, and you stepped out, and we just started to dream. Well, as I was dreaming about that, all of a sudden this idea hit me, and it totally freaked me out. Because I'm telling you, when we moved here, I knew that we were supposed to be in this area. I just knew it. In fact, we couldn't find a building, and so the other guys on the team were saying, Hey Dave, how far south can we go? Because if we go like down to 39th or 45th, there's some areas down there, I literally would feel nauseous. Seriously. I'd be go, God, you guys, I'm gonna puke if you say that again. We're just not doing that. We're supposed to be up here. So that would be a thing for me. That that's just the pattern. That's how K two exists. So I had to step out of that and say, okay, would we be willing to not be right here? And all of a sudden, I just started thinking I'd I'd be driving around and I'm dreaming. And and this really wacky idea hit me. And to be honest with you, part of it was because we couldn't even find it. There's nothing around here anyway. Because partly what they helped us to see was if we're going to accomplish that dream, we're never going to be able to do it on this property. We're going to have to expand. We're going to have to go to continue to do what God wants us to do. So all of a sudden, I had this crazy idea, and I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to tell these guys this? But I'm wondering if we're supposed to actually consider going a little bit farther down south. Because here's why it's really weird. Because if we did that, then probably we'd have to take the south campus and we'd have to come together. And then I started thinking, wow, what would happen if we came together? So we showed up to a meeting, and I said, okay, guys, I I have to tell you something, and I know this is going to be really weird, and I shared the whole deal with them. And all of a sudden, I look over there, and Eric Winter, you guys know Eric? Eric's been my best friend forever, so he knows me really well, and he's like snickering. He's kind of like, and I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, we had put together this growth team, as we called it, to figure out what our next steps were. The same week that I was thinking that, they met, and they came up with the same idea. And Eric told everybody on the team, all right, we can share this, but there's no way Dave's ever going to agree with this plan. You know? And then I throw out the plan. And it was one of those times where you go, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? So we had to start thinking about it. As we kept thinking about it and we kept, we kept looking for new property, we finally decided, okay, let's stretch and let's see if there's anything else that's out there. We need a new place and we want it to be permanent. So, and I, we've shared this here, and then all of a sudden we found this fun bill sitting there at 4900 South, 49th Street Galleria. And, and, and it was just crazy, because that's way too big for us, you know? We don't need that place, but we need a place. So then, all of a sudden, we start dreaming and scheming again, and we think, well, what if we rent out over half of that building, because we would only need a certain section of it, and what if we started renting out that building, and the dream keeps getting clearer and clearer, you guys? And here's our thought right now. What if two-thirds of that building is filled up with other nonprofit organizations and other civic groups and other businesses who actually want to in- impact the valley? who literally exist because they're saying, man, we want to change this place. We, we live here and we want to make it a better place to live. What if K2, the church, could somehow get this property and then offer great rent to people who want to change the world? And what if all of us were together in this group and we're meeting together, we're having lunch together, we're having coffee together, we're encouraging each other and, and, we're, just, and we're saying, let's do this together. And then all of a sudden we find out this stuff's kind of happening around the nation and we're meeting people who are doing this. And it's changing, not just their church, not just their life. It's changing the whole city where they live. Now, then I start getting really excited. And I go, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. And then what if the rent that came in, the finances that came in, could actually support the financial commitment to plant churches? See, because it takes money to do this. But now all of a sudden, what if we had monthly income that was coming in and we could actually use that money to expand our vision? You guys catching this? See, now all of a sudden I look at that and I go, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. This is so far beyond anything I'd ever thought of or I'd ever dreamed. And so you guys, we're pursuing that. We're pursuing it hard. And um, just found out that last week the, the bank foreclosed on the building, they own it now. The bank owns it free and clear of all liens and we're just, we're trying to, we're praying hardcore and asking God to say, okay, God, is this what you have for us? Have you actually had a bigger dream than we could ever have imagined? That we would not just be about ourselves, but that we could partner with other organizations in this city to actually impact the whole valley. That we actually could resource church plants that come here to Salt Lake City and expand our vision of multiplying ourselves all over the state. And man, and it's so cool. So guys, that's what we're doing. And, and what that means, too, even if we don't get the fund dome, we still know that we can't exist on this property, and we're going to keep searching what God has for us. So I, I just want to ask you to pray for us. So we need to reunite, and that's the point. If we're going to do this, then there is no question that God has called us to unite for a greater cause. So we're going to do this. We're going to take our south campus and our north campus, and we're going to come together to strengthen ourselves so it's almost kind of, I know this is kind of a weird feeling, but it's almost like a spring, like you recoil it, right? So it can go, bam! And that's how we feel. We feel like if we come together, then what can happen is our arts team and our Sunday morning, who spreads itself around three different venues, can now come into two. Adventure Canyon can have more synergy. and Christian will be able to come together and focus their leadership skills on creating deeper community here and deeper faith and discipleship. We'll be able to streamline our finances so that we could actually maybe enhance our staff and our ministry development. And just to be honest with you, every time we've ever mentioned this to people who've been here, people just go, awesome! We would love just to be together again. there's, (laughs) And there's, <laughs> thank you, Steve. Awesome. But I mean, there, there are, there are just so many people who say, man, I love everybody down there. I love this. And, and I always say that's, I mean, I'm glad we love each other. And it'll be so cool to be all together. Just the synergy here every Sunday, Lad and Christian and I all over the place on this campus and all of our arts people, all of us, everybody that we love. Now, again, we would never do that just so we could be one big happy family. But we would do it if we feel like we could be Stronger and more streamlined in our resources so that we can become a church planning machine. And that's what we'll do. What we'll start doing is we'll have a church planner in residence here every year who's coming, who's learning, who's being trained up, who's leading, who's building teams, and then we'll be able to resource him and send him out with a team. And then as soon as he's gone, the next guy comes on. And now we're multiplying ourselves on a regular basis and we're accomplishing our vision of letting this whole valley and this world know that they're loved by Jesus Christ. So, this has been an eight-month process for us. I know we're dumping all this on you today. But I, I just want to tell you, it became so clear to us that this is what God is asking us to do. And it feels like an opposite way. You know why? I've never been to a conference that said, hey, let us tell you how to take a campus that's working really well and bring it back home. That, you just don't do that. I mean, once you accomplish something, you guys, because South Campus has been anything but a failure. It's been awesome every time I'm down there. How many of you have ever been down there? South campus, okay. Man, every time I'm there, I just love that place and I love what God's doing and new people have started to come. There is no question to us that God asked us to take that step of faith and there's no question that he used it and now it's part of the vision that he had to move us into the next step of faith, which is to centralize ourselves in this valley to make a greater impact. So here's what we're going to do. We talked in this this last month, and we said, well, you know what? If God's asking us to do it, then we're going to do it. It it just made no sense to wait any longer. And so on June 5th, the South and North campuses will be reunited back on this campus right here together. And yeah, it's awesome. So now, partly of the deal is we thought, well, we'll all get together in a second location. We know that that's going to happen. We're not going to stay here for very long. We know that we're going to move on. But man, I just want to tell you, we're going to be working here in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be tougher for them, everybody who's south, to come back here. Some people are geeked out of their gourd to be back. Some people have never been on this campus. And so it's going to be huge for us in this room that we are ready to welcome them, to love them, to embrace them, to encourage them, so we're going to go back. We're going to be doing two 930 services, one in the red and one at the white. They'll both be live. You know, Lad and Christian and I will be sharing the teaching in both places. And then two 1130 services in the red and in the white. We're actually revamping the red warehouse, too, a little bit. We're going to spruce it up, make it nicer over there, and, uh, and create a new venue over there, too. So we're really excited about this. So, you guys, this is, to me, in <laughs> lean K2 and, and through this process, this has just been, again, one of those times where I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And I, I just tell you, after walking with Jesus for about 26 years, I just, I just, it just smells like it. It tastes like him. It feels like him. I just believe with all of my heart, that's why we're doing this, not just me. Because I think p- part of people people can ask the question, is like, man, can we re- how can we trust the leadership that this is what we're really supposed to be doing? Well, one of the ways I hope that you can trust us is this is never, never, ever, ever at k 2 Do I, even as a lead pastor, come up with an idea and say, we're just going to do this, ever? We have a whole management team. We have a spiritual advisory board. We have a business operations board. We have a whole team of leaders who've been faithful to this place, who love Christ with all their heart, who seek him hard. And when together we feel unified that God's leading us, that's when we move. And after eight months of prayer and meeting and seeking, we believe without a doubt that this is what God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I sit here today and I go, unbelievable. I think he's going to be able to do more through us than I had ever dreamed. Coming out here, we knew we were going to plant a church. We knew we were going to multiply ourselves. I had no idea that we might be able to actually be the agent that unifies all the, not all, but many organizations in this whole valley to say, let's work together to increase life in this valley. And that's what we're going to do. So. Um, as we close with this service today, you guys, I, I just want to encourage you. Um, it's going to be, it's, it already has a crazy ride. It's going to continue to be a crazy ride, but here's what I know. These are the times that remind me over and over again that it's actually not about me. These are the times when I remember, you know what? God is writing a story and I'm in it. I'm actually in the story but I'm not the central character. (laughs) But I'm going to give everything I've got. And I'm going to remember that it's actually about him and what he's doing and it's not about me. And then, this is the other thing that hits me right now, that there's nothing more important in all of life than knowing him. There's nothing more important in life than God. God. And and I'm telling you, he keeps doing this to me over and over again. Saying, Nelson, I'm not going to let you grab onto anything. That's not exactly what I have for you. And so I just want to encourage you, these are the times when we get to see God move. And these are the times when we come to know him more. These are the times, you guys, that Abraham tasted, that Moses tasted, that Joseph tasted, that David tasted. These are the times where those of you guys who've walked with God, where he sits there and he goes, I am moving, and I am working, and I'm asking you to join us. And I am so thrilled that he's doing that for us one more time. So, I just want to encourage you, in your own life, know this, in your own life, your ways are not God's ways. But if you'll follow him, when he leads you, you will discover him and you will know him, and you will see him do greater things than you could ever thought of. And it's not just true for you. It's true for communities as well. It wasn't just true for Moses. It was true for Israel as a whole. And that's that's what we believe God has for us too. So let's pray as our team comes up to lead us in worship, and let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you so much for showing us throughout all of history that you have ideas, you have plans, you have purposes, that you're on a mission, that you're always at work to draw people back into a relationship with you. And I thank you, God, for all the stories that show us that there's no pattern to trust. There's only a person to trust. It's you. And Lord, I just want to thank you for K2, the church. No question that this place was your idea. No question that you have done more than we ever thought of just by responding to you and following you. And I just want to pray on behalf of all of us here today that we once again would follow you, that we would seek you hard, that we would join together to know you so that you can accomplish everything that you want to accomplish through this local body of people. And Lord, I I specifically do. I want to pray for the fun dome. I, I want to ask you, God, to just move in ways that are beyond what we could do. To provide what we need. To move in our relationships that we're building. Lord, that you, out of your great love for every person in this valley, would do in us and through us your perfect, complete will. And Lord, help us to know at this time, man, this is when we need to know you. Thank you that you want to know us. Thank you that you want us to follow you and to trust you, to experience you, to see you. And that's what we want as well. We pray for it in Jesus' name.